0: Hello, and welcome to the Kamalaya Wellness for Life podcast. I'm your host, Karina Stewart, founder of Kamalaya Wellness Sanctuary in Thailand, a multi-award-winning, holistic destination retreat nestled into an idyllic tropical landscape amidst granite boulders and encompassing sunrise and sunset ocean views on the southern coastline of Koh Samui. Kamalaya offers personalized journeys for lifelong wellness. Renowned for results-oriented holistic wellness programs that promote vibrant well-being and rekindle your connection to life's infinite potential, our Wellness for Life podcast brings you inspirational stories, health and well-being topics, and other positive content designed to enrich the time you spend online and your own health and well-being journey. Living in a time of unprecedented change and prolonged uncertainty for these past two years, as well as simultaneously living in a fast paced world with timelines and pressures that are unremitting can be at times overwhelming. And the term burnout has become very familiar to so many of us. And in fact, it has become a common phenomenon. In this episode, we will help create a better understanding of what is burnout. And how do we recognize the early signs and what can we do to prevent it from becoming a more serious condition, as well as we're going to discuss what resources are available, even when it has become a serious condition. Today, it is my great pleasure to have with us, Sophie Scott, who teaches people around the world how to prevent and manage burnout, reduce stress and adopt high performance habits. In addition to her work as a multi-award-winning medical TV journalist for the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, Sophie is a professional speaker and educator with expertise in mental health. A speaker at the World Congress on Positive Psychology in 2019, Sophie has also won major awards for her journalism and medical reporting. She's an advisory board member of the Australian National Mental Health Prize University of New South Wales and is an adjunct associate professor in the Notre Dame University Medical School. She's the author of two books, Live a Longer Life from ABC Books and Road Testing Happiness from HarperCollins. Sophie is also the mother of four amazing children with her husband, Phil.
1: Welcome, Sophie. Thank you. Thank I'm, you.
0: I'm so excited that we get to do this today to the subject is one I'm extremely passionate about burnout and stress and burnout. but also that uh, that you have this incredible expertise, firsthand knowledge, a personal journey, and so much to share about it that can be helpful for so many people. So first and foremost, welcome, and I'm I'm just delighted. Thank you for your time.
1: Thank you. It's delightful to do this interview in person. It's been amazing to stay here. Oh,
0: thank you. Thank you truly. So um, maybe we could start with how you became um, such an expert on
1: (laughs) burnout. Well, that's a bad way. (laughs) I became an expert. In the bad way, in the way that I want to help other people avoid. Yes. So I had my own burnout experience and I have someone who's always worked in a very stressful and busy work environment, um, which I really like and I've always had a very busy family life and social life. I've got four boys and I've worked as a journalist and a broadcast journalist. So working in a very high-stress environment is something that I was very used to. Um, but the issue with burnout is when that stress that you're dealing with becomes chronic and overwhelming and you can get burnout in a workplace situation. You can get it through parenting, caregiving. So while the, the WHO definition um, is to do with the workplace, I think in reality, a lot of people can um, identify with parental burnout or caregiving burnout. Um, and I think it's a bit broader than just happening in the workplace. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for me, um, like I said, I have worked in um, the media as a, as a journalist and TV reporter, so I was used to yeah. <laughs> used to adrenaline and deadlines. It's nothing new. It was I had yeah. you know 25 year career with a daily deadline. So, but it was really um, when the pandemic hit and the the workload increased sort of exponentially in terms of um, the what we were covering, um, for example. We were, um, I work for a a TV broadcaster, so we turned our TV station, basically my bedroom became um, a TV station where we were broadcasting live from there every day. And um, I think the other thing was uh, there was a, less differentiation between work and home.
0: Yes, yes, that's well. what I'm hearing right away. Yeah. Where was the line?
1: You know? Yeah, well, when, when your TV station's in your bedroom, <laughs> there, there is, is no, no line, line no yeah. boundary whatsoever. Yeah, and I think that was a big thing for a lot of people that we lost that differentiation of going to work, coming home and switching off. Yes. And so for me, it became, and I think with burnout that I want the audience to know is that it's a slow burn thing, burnout. It's not something that it sort of hits you in the face, it creeps up on you. And it's only when you really listen to the symptoms and the signs that some people can go, wow, that's what I've got. So that's that's what happened to me. So my own personal experience of burnout, was really quite overwhelming. And for someone who, you know, I, I I read all the medical journals, I deal with patients, I'm in the health yeah. industry. Yes. So yes. no one is immune to burnout and it is not the individual's fault. Mm-hmm. And that's something really important to get across, yes. Katrina, because a lot of people feel, um, as well as being burnt out, they feel very guilty on top of it. They feel like something they've done and yeah. it's like they've failed. And um, burnout is a sign that the system hasn't, supported the person to do what they need to do whether that's the workplace home or society and or just your over you know your responsibilities overall and and so not feeling guilty and having some self-compassion for Mm -hmm. yourself is Mm -hmm. so important Mm -hmm. because that's really one of the first steps to healing is to recognize that you didn't bring this on yourself burnout is not your fault and um there are ways that you can recover which is which is good and make sure it doesn't happen again
0: beautiful Sophie, so could you tell me what were some of the first signs and symptoms that you noticed in this slow burn, low burn that that led eventually to a burnout?
1: So I think the things for me were the was exhaustion. Mm. So one of the key symptoms of burnout is both um, emotional and physical exhaustion, and. Um, I've got a little dog, a little Cavoodle called Sammy, and we love to walk Sammy um, at the beach near our house on the weekends. And I was finding that it was increasingly difficult to walk the full length of the promenade about the beach without having to stop and take a rest. And I would wake up, you know, feeling unrefreshed after a, a night's sleep. And then with the emotional exhaustion, it was things like things that you would um, would would not bother you in the past, you you would become upset about. Mm-hmm. So you found it hard to keep things in perspective. Yes, yes. So those were some of the signs for me. And then the other thing that people don't realise with burnout is that a third of people with burnout will have some sort of cognitive dysfunction in terms of their brains not working properly. Wow, I didn't know that. The the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain to do with planning and executive function, it goes offline. Oh, my goodness. And you can't access it. And so when you need to be able to be making these decisions and you might be able to take in new information but you can't retain it and people often might make more mistakes when they're in burnout. Mm -hmm. And so cognitive dysfunction and that sense of that brain fog that people talk about, Mm -hmm. that was something that I experienced Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And so that made me think that this is not just something I'm going to get over with Mm -hmm. a long weekend having like, you know, taking the Friday off and I'll be fine by Monday.
0: And what was the moment at which you realised okay, this is, this is something more and I need to either do something or seek help, you know?
1: So I think for me it was definitely the physical symptoms mm-hmm. because what burnout can do, and we'll talk about this, the impact it has on your nervous yes, system, yes. but one of, the, one of the systems of the body that your nervous system governs is blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And so for some people their blood pressure will go very high, but for me it was the opposite. So for me, my blood pressure plummeted and I'm someone that has pretty low blood pressure to start with. Mm-hmm. And so what that led to was, um, and it, when it really hit me was I was, um, I was standing up and I was talking to some people and I started to feel so dizzy and that I was going to fall over into mm. this whole group of people. Mm. And. That made me think this is not right there's definitely something physically that i need to address here and and find out what's going on
0: absolutely coming back to the signs and symptoms by the way that must have been terrifying i mean to feel like you literally are about to lose control of your body and your balance and in front of a lot of people
1: luckily they're all doctors and nurses
0: (laughs) if i did did
1: fall over they would have helped me but yes it was I guess it was a big wake-up call that You know stress we think it's something that is quite benign but when it's chronic and when it's ongoing the impact on the body is is really quite severe and we can talk about some of that
0: yes yes so one of the things I, i i mentioned to you earlier um was that i had gone through a burnout as well in my early 40s and i want to touch on some of the signs and symptoms in addition to what you were talking about one of them for me that was really prominent was that my sleep went out the window it didn't, I couldn't sleep. And I, even if I fell asleep at at around 11 o'clock at night, I would wake up wide awake, almost in a panic at at two in the morning. And you really cannot get by on three hours of sleep (laughs) for very long. So then the next step was drink coffee, which I never drank before, right? To function, which then, meant i had difficulty sleeping because the caffeine was in my system and, and you have it, a vicious cycle it's a vicious yeah. cycle right the biochemistry gets really right. altered and another thing i noticed the um mental fog but i noticed my memory mm. was just not, not there there and it would be so frustrating because i was paying attention i was there i was you know very <laughs> alert supposedly right (laughs) but actually not my memory was not happening and and I couldn't remember from one day to the next things that were extremely important and it was the startup phase of Kalalaya. Wow I know really (laughs) important yeah yeah, really important yeah and another thing I noticed some people gain weight did you lose or gain weight?
1: I look most people gain weight but I I probably stayed pretty I don't think weight yeah pretty stable for me yeah
0: for me I lost weight at that mm. time. This was several years ago. I mean, I lost, lost. So everybody was very concerned because mm. I just was burning, burning, burning. And um, and I think the emotional reactivity was another telltale sign, which you covered, yeah. um, the exhaustion. But I think sleep, that's what I wanted to highlight for people to recognize that for many, that's one of the first symptoms, that something is not right because we are supposed to be able to sleep yes you know? and
1: and so that and with sleep i mean if you're not sleeping well particularly that pattern yes. that you talk about of waking up at like two in, in the morning you know when we go through different phases of sleep um you know if if everything's if you're feeling well you should be able to sleep through That's the right. night without waking up and, and feel rested and feel rested
0: and get sufficient sleep you know many many people when the cortisol levels get thrown off balance one of the issues is waking up without enough sleep. I'm really like this jolting. And not being able to go back to and sleep. And not being able to go back yeah. Then when the cortisol is completely depleted, then a very <laughs> different thing happens, but. Yes. Before we go too much further, can we address what your definition of burnout is? I mean, you've done a lot of research and written about this, tell
1: me. Well, the, the WHO, the World Health Organization, definition of it is chronic, Ongoing stress that's not being managed properly, which I think is not a bad definition, but I think it's not quite it's not quite specific enough. enough. I think it's it's really I, I think burnout is really when you're you've reached the end of your capacity to deal with what life's throwing at you through no fault of your own. Right,
0: that's a great definition that you, you we're not able to rally with the resources we have to whatever life is. Throwing at you, and that's and and that's. I think that definition
1: is good because it encompasses the parental burnout that people feel Mm -hmm. or the caregiver burnout. And there's a really key element that I wanted to mention Mm -hmm. before we go too much further. Mm -hmm. And one key element of burnout is that people often feel a lack of joy for something that they've loved doing. And so, for people, you know, burnout is very common in the caregiving professions of in in health, in medicine teaching, lawyers, um, social workers, policemen, first responders, because they give so much of themselves to their work. They're emotionally invested in what they do. And then when they're so depleted, you feel that lack of joy that you used to get from a professional or a career that you loved on top of it. And that can be very distressing for people when they put their whole world into a job that they care a lot about. And That's another key symptom for people to keep k- keep an eye out for yeah. to see if they're less, you know, finding the things they used to really love and value about the work. And they call it in healthcare. They call it compassion fatigue, mm. particularly in, um, in in the more difficult parts of healthcare, mm. like ICU or palliative care, where you have to give a lot of compassion on a daily basis. And for some people, there's just nothing left in the tank, and so that feeling of a lack of joy, and you, and the other. Element of burnout, which is which is you know particular to burnout, is that you start to doubt your own abilities mm-hmm. as well. Because if you're having like the brain fog that you and yeah. I just talked about, yeah. if you're not sleeping well, you're feeling tired, you're feeling exhausted, and you're like, can I actually even do this? Yeah, yeah. can well, I?
0: It does feel overwhelming. I mean, it really overwhelming. becomes extremely difficult to. Uh, get the things done that you need in, to get at them. the level that you are used to getting them done to get them done. Yes. Uh, absolutely. Do you think that, you know, something that's coming up for me is, do you think that there's a personality profile that is more inclined, aside from the caring professions being, or the caregiving professions, or, um, being very passionate about what you do. I suppose for you, you were also extremely passionate about what you were doing and very invested in getting incredible satisfaction. I know for me, it was definitely that. It was the creation of my dream with mm. my husband, Kamalaya. so we were, we were <sighs> as
1: putting your life and soul and everything heart and soul. into it. And yeah. so there
0: was no separation between work and personal life. It all became one because it was my passion and I had never hit a wall, so I didn't know what that felt like. I didn't, I had no sense of ever having had a limitation. Um, but do you think there may be, are there certain psychological personality traits that are linked or associated with um, burnout?
1: So. Uh, yes, there are, and putting. Uh, I guess it's important to say that that doesn't. We're not apportioning blame no, to those people.
0: No. I really blame is a word. I really yeah. have to say this right. So no, no blame, no blame, no blame. But, no blame. But understanding.
1: Yes, and exactly. So, but yes, because if you are people who tend to be um, high achieving, highly productive, um, tend to be people who suffer from burnout. Often, the best employees will burn out. They work the hardest. They're the most invested. But then also people who, like I, have a tendency as well, perfectionistic, want everything to be 100% oh gosh, yes. all the time, um, you know, people-pleasing, you know, what you want people to like you and you want people to ask you to do something and you feel bad saying no. Yeah. So that's something that you need to learn, that I had to learn as well that was really important to value my point. time and energy and yeah. focus because... If you spread too thin, there's nothing left for you.
0: And boundaries. That's what that brings up for me, right? Boundaries
1: yeah, is you know. huge. And that's something with with burnout, there are some things that you can control and other things that you can't control. You can't necessarily control a toxic supervisor or boss, but you can control if you decide to respond, if they send you emails at ten o'clock at night, whether you respond to that or not. Correct. And so that's where the boundaries come in. Correct. And so that's something that I think gives people a sense of a bit more control over what's going on, to focus on what you can control. I
0: love that. I love that. I think we all lose our bearings sometimes in terms of our emotional reactivity to situations that we really don't have control over. And I'm specifically thinking of myself (laughs) (laughs) vis-a-vis this unending pandemic. I mean, who would have thought it would be two years plus into a situation that's entirely out of our hands, uh, where governments have responded in a variety of ways, but in any case, outside of our hands. And we've all been impacted in different ways. And I know that that had a huge impact on my um, emotions, particularly because we are in hospitality and Thailand shut down for almost two full years until my husband one day was like, I just don't I said, well, you're 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 doing so well. And I'm sitting here like like burning up with my own emotions and reactivity. What is it? And he said, I have to preface it to say that he spent sixteen years in the Himalayas being a yogic monk. Okay, so serves him well. So it, it served him very well because he said, Look, I'm focusing on what I can do something about right here and now and for the rest it's only a distraction.
1: Right, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing mindset. Isn't that incredible?
0: And he had the discipline Mm. and the training that he stayed focused in that way. So going back to that, you saying that, you know, there are things we can control and there are things we can't.
1: Because you can expend a lot more emotional energy that you don't have if you're burnt out on trying to control things that are outside your control.
0: And you have four children, is that right? So you know you can't really control other people, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> including that toxic bu- boss. You know. Yeah, you can't. If you have a toxic boss, no amount of. I mean, I think it's really important for people if you are feeling burnt out and if any of these symptoms resonate, that you do need to seek support. Yes. Because p- you people in burnout feel very isolated, so seeking support and speaking up is is really crucial. Yes. Um, and talking to someone who might be able to alleviate if it's a a workload issue who can like you might be able to alleviate some of your workload and the thing about personality type is interesting because Mm. often it's the high achievers who burn out and the bosses are not expecting that person to burn out because they've always been you know making the top sales or you know getting the best figures and and doing the best you know of a whole team and so if, if you're a manager it's important to Help your staff if you want your staff not to burn out. To make sure that you are keeping an eye out for not just the ones you know, for for everybody for really them. for
0: all of them. Absolutely. I I mean I really can understand that not only for myself but I think it's the high achievers and I said the ones who really care, the ones who are really invested emotionally also in the in the work in what everyone's contributing and doing together. Um,
1: And these are the sort of employees that you want. Yes, but but the perfectionism
0: is an Mm. interesting one because that is something that I can resonate with. Mm. Which I don't think perfectionism is a good thing. Mm. I think caring is a very good thing. I think um, wanting excellence is a good thing. Uh, I think um, you know being invested in what we do. We spend a lot of time with our work. It's good that we care, but I think that perfectionism Mm. um, can be very cruel to oneself. Yes, because perfectionism is an impossible ideal it doesn't matter how high we reach. It's never enough. It's never there. Yes, I
1: think Brene Brown talks about perfect, the the concept of perfectionism being not not good enough or never enough. That's right. It's never enough. No matter how high, it's never enough, never enough. And
0: no matter how much you achieve, it's not enough. Yes,
1: and so how much, you know, you just keep going and and going. And there's a
0: cruelty to it. And Mm. so that lack of self-care, caring for others, but not looking after oneself really comes up with that. So um, how do we know when it's going be, you know, beyond the okay, I need to take care of it, to okay, this is getting serious. Without someone fainting and passing out <laughs> right in the middle, how I, I I know for myself, it took something very drastic. So I was similar to you. Mine was life threatening, um, and and that's why I want to, people to understand. Wh-
1: this is serious
0: beyond that mm. what happened to me is because i wasn't sleeping enough and i was using caffeine i was trying to sleep but i really really couldn't get the cortisol i mean i didn't know at the time i can talk mm. about that now but i didn't know at the time why i couldn't sleep um but i didn't take it seriously and what happened is i almost had a head-on collision i literally was um, having little dreamlets mm. i had dropped someone off at the airport here in Kosamoe. i was driving back in a in the jeep and, I, you know, I was having these little dreamless yeah, many, daydreams yeah. in the middle of my driving. And there was a car stopped in the middle of the road because it's only a two-lane road. It's a small island. And I didn't see the car stopped right in the middle of the road until I was almost on them. So I had to slam on the brakes, wow. which caused my car to spin right across the opposite lane and land in the opposite ditch facing in the opposite direction. That's when I realized oh my goodness.
1: You to do something. I, I need to
0: stop. I need to stop. I had been saying it, and then I realized, okay, this is now beyond. I need to take a break. This is, I'm taking a break. I have to do this, or I'm actually putting my life
1: at risk. Mm. But it's so, challenging, though, Karina, because like for you and for me, we've been people who've been able to keep going and do right. it all and right. and keep going. That's right. And so it, it's it's quite confronting when you recognize that that keeping going and doing it all comes at a cost at
0: a and a very big cost so what are some of the what would you tell someone you need to take this seriously these are some of the additional complications that might happen that are endangering your life or could potentially endanger your life
1: look there are some there are some very serious medical i mean if you get to the severe end of burnout and and hopefully people don't because i'll listen to this and go i need help Yes. yes it it increases inflammation in the body. There's really good studies to show that. And and we know that when you have the increased inflammation, it can cause all sorts of problems. Absolutely. So it increases your risk of cardiovascular disease and stroke. It reduces your immune system. And these days we all want to have a good immune system. For every
0: reason possible.
1: Yep. We talked about blood pressure being an issue Um and cognitive dysfunction. I mean, it's really linked to so many conditions.
0: Would you say it's also linked possibly to autoimmune conditions, for example, because of the immune response? Definitely, so
1: people can suffer or have an increased risk of autoimmune conditions. And it really just depends on – it's very different for different for people. Person. But there's there's actually some very good research out about yeah. the physical impacts of burnout. Wonderful. It's really becoming quite recognised yeah. now that this is not just something that is benign. No. This is something that can be potentially very serious. Yeah. And people, you know, need to take it seriously and, and, and seek that support and step back if you need to and take the steps that you need to, to rebuild yourself and get into mm-hmm. a much better space. So
0: taking it seriously – and, and recognizing that we really need to do something about mm. it. Could you tell me a little bit more how how your experience was? Because if they are different. Of course, when the adrenal system becomes depleted, it's going mm. to affect the nervous system and mm. the immune system, you know, that's for sure, because they're all the three main systems. And vice versa, if it's affecting the nervous system, we know it's going to have an impact on the endocrine and the immune system. But, How would you include this information, let's say, in your definition?
1: Well, I think, I mean, I think both definitions are valid but I do think the nervous system is the key. The key, okay. And based on my research, the reason is because your nervous system your autonomic nervous system it's our first line of defense against any stress yes. that's that's when we're when we're confronted with any any experience anything stressful at all it's our it's our autonomic nervous system that's there running sort of silently in the background yes. That, yes. that reacts and it reacts to threats you know perceived threats or, yes. or real threats oh, yes. and the if your autonomic nervous system starts to malfunction like mine did that's when you start to have all the problems with the blood pressure or breathing you know it it affects some you know the autonomic nervous system it's a bit like the analogy i like it's it's a bit like a computer Mm -hmm. and and the autonomic nervous system is the software sort of in the background Mm -hmm. so you don't see those programs but they operate but if they go wrong the computer stops working
0: Absolutely.
1: and so that's what the autonomic (laughs) nervous system is is like and it's the autonomic nervous system and the vagus nerve which is yes. the nerve that runs from the brain down to the organs of the body that that controls where you are in your autonomic nervous system and where whether you can move easily from one state to another mm-hmm. so a lot of people might have heard of like the fight or flight yes which is, you know, getting getting ready for action. The cortisol's released, and it, you know all these different mm-hmm. processes in the brain are switched on. You know, you're, it's like an animal ready to to flee a, yes. situ- a dangerous situation. And when we're stressed, you can easily get into that fight or flight. Um, as the sympathetic um, dominant, dominant exactly. But then the other the other states are. What you want to do is not necessarily stay. The other state is the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest. And that's when we feel calm and that's when we feel Relax. relaxed and connected and creative. And mm. And this is the state that you want to be in for most of the time. Yes. But we can't be in that state all the time because mm. life, <laughs> life <laughs> takes over and what we want to do is what dr dan siegel um, coined the term the window of tolerance mm-hmm. which is being able to move easily between the different states of your nervous system without being stuck in one or the other and in burnout you can either be stuck in fight or flight or if you really crash down into the what they call the freeze state or the dorsal vagal which is where you become shut down mm-hmm. you feel numb you feel for people with you know chronic fatigue can feel like that and it's uh, similar to the way they describe like an, an, an animal um, who's frightened, they play dead so they just yes. stop reacting at yes. all and they shut off all important functions in their body.
0: And it's not within our control in any way shape or form, that particular reaction is it?
1: No, these, these things that happen, freeze. the freeze response, well in fact all these functions of the nervous system, they happen pre-cognition, mm-hmm. it's the, the way the brain um, it happens before we actually think mm-hmm. if you a good example is if you're walking along just say you're walking along and camelion not that i don't know if you have snakes here <laughs> but if you see uh if you are in australia well, well, yeah i was gonna say work. we don't
0: have australian <laughs> snakes in time
1: in australia if you're walking along and you see saw a branch or a twig and you thought oh that looks like a snake so you don't have to think that your nervous system starts in already it recognizes yeah. that oh that that looks dangerous yeah. and your heart rate speeds up your digestion slows down you're getting ready to flee and -hmm. run away. Mm -hmm. And that's before you've actually thought, I wonder if that's a snake. Your Mm. body's already Responded. And so the idea with rebuilding your nervous system from burnout is being able to move more easily between those states of the nervous system Mm -hmm. so that if things do stress you, then you go, okay, I've got strategies, I've got tools, I know how to get back to a more relaxed, Mm -hmm. calm state. And ideally not get into the, well, the dorsal vagal state, the yes. really, the, the the freeze state is often um, happens, particularly if people have had trauma in the past. Yes. It's very, very common. And it gets
0: reactivated with different circumstances. And different
1: triggers. Yeah. So the the idea, and that's why I find the, the, the research behind the nervous system so fascinating because it, it explains so much. I love the concept of co-regulation, for example, which yes. is, your your nervous system is affected by the nervous system state of the person you're with. Isn't that amazing? So if you're with someone calm and relaxed, then you become calm and relaxed.
0: And isn't that true? It Don't is true. Feel but that? this
1: is the science it's to incredible. explain it. Oh
0: yes, it's, it's just, so incredible. That's how social we actually are.
1: We are biologically wired isn't to connect and react to the people around yes, us.
0: Yes. Yes. And be impacted and have an impact on the people around exactly. us. Exactly. I think it's beautiful. And we need to be aware of it too. Mm. I noticed that certainly with my husband and me, I can get very excited sometimes and he can be super calm and I arrive like a little whirlwind (laughs) and he was like, whoa, whoa. And vice versa. Sometimes it's exactly the reverse, (laughs) you know. Beautiful. Um, So following on with the nervous system, what is it that actually happens when there's a burnout? Is it basically that the one of these two other states, the fight or flight state of the Sympathetic nervous system that it gets stuck there, or potentially even down into the deeper freeze state, what we know as the freeze state, it, and and that we're, we lose the ability to have a fluidity of responses throughout the day, throughout the week. Is that, that is that's that exactly physical? it?
1: And so what the way they've described it with burnout in the research is that the the, the nervous system should be able to, and I, I use the word should advisorly, sure. but in a in yeah. a healthier in a healthier system, yes. Um, is able to move easily between those two states and back to what they call homeostasis. Yes. But in someone who has burnout, you're either stuck in the fight or flight or when it gets really severe, crashing all the way down and you're no longer able to return to the homeostasis like you would normally. Mm-hmm. And that's because of the chronic impact. So in acute stress, when something happens quickly, you know, it's designed as a short-term reaction that's bang, gone. You know, like you see something scary, you react, bang, it's gone. Mm-hmm. You realize it's not a snake. Mm-hmm. You smile and think, "Oh, aren't I silly?" And you go back to feel feeling better. fine. Yeah. But when it's chronic stress and you're chronically stuck in either that fight or flight, or, or in worst case, if you're down in the in the the freeze, and you know you're really, really fatigued, that's be- you can't get back to that the calm and relaxed state. You, it's it's like the body can't reset itself back to where it needs to be, yeah. and that's why practices that can rebuild your nervous system as well as doing the other things that we've talked about like seeking support and, and um, you know, yes. doing all those things. But yes. when it comes to, again, what you can control, getting yourself uh, the tools to be able to rebuild your nervous system so that you can more easily move up and down like and flow between those states of your nervous system. Yeah because we need we need to be able to move between all three states there's not that one's necessarily good and one the others mm. are necessarily bad The you know a normal human um, nervous system would would have all three going on Absolutely. at different points in the day and it's like
0: homeostasis in every other biological um process, process. in the body we have homeostasis yeah. so that's how i'm envisioning it although exactly. it's not a duality or it's not binary it, it has many states <laughs> so i think this is a good place to to ask you how does one begin the process of beginning to regulate the nervous system if that's the key if that's the primary component and mm, dysregulated part of our um, body and physiology in burnout how does one begin
1: so I think there's a there's a number of ways, and but the most important and the easiest way is by using tools that are at everyone's disposal, and that's things like deep breathing techniques. So d- deep breathing, where your exhale is longer than your inhale, so you're stimulating the, the relaxation response. Um, anything that can improve what they call the, the tone of the vagus nerve, they call it vagal tone. So um, that can be like exposure to cold. So like cold cold showers, for example. I'm not a huge really? fan. I'm not a huge fan, but it really does okay. make a difference. There's good research to show that cold showers. That I, I
0: did not know. That's new to me. Yeah. I mean, I know it from yoga, but I did not know that it had that added benefit.
1: Yes. Cold, cold water exposure. There's good research to show that can to boost Re- the vagal boost tone and, and, and help you regulate your nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, things like yoga, movement shaking you know you might notice animals sometimes you might like my dog sammy will get up and she'll just shake all over and that's just resetting her nervous system back to homeostasis and then she toddles off and does what she wants to do so that's that's another thing so a lot of these practices are very much mind body so it's getting out of the mind and it's like focusing on what can you do in your body to help reset your nervous system and the thing about these sort of practices is that when you're in burnout i I love that
0: Yes. I love that. I yeah. have been enjoy getting out of the mind and getting mm. back into the body. Sorry, I just wanted to no, highlight no, no, that for too. our listeners. I love Please that. Go ahead. And there's this-
1: I guess the one thing I just wanted to stress is if you're in burnout, probably the last thing you want is a laundry list of things to do. And Absolutely. One of the key things is that you need to look at what small changes or what small practices you can make that are going to make a big difference. So that's why I've highlighted some of the things that you know just having a, a meditation or a breathing practice in the morning and at the end of the day or doing some of these things like the the shaking or the um yoga. meditation or yoga um, or even dancing and things like yes. that have been shown to help as well but doing what's in your your envelope of energy I guess because yes. when you're f- feeling really tired um, you may not be able to do it a, a lot yeah. but but even f- five minutes of or, or 10 minutes of these small activities uh, each day will really make a big difference for example when when i was feeling really burnt out i wasn't able to do much exercise yeah. um but I could do Tai Chi. Mm. I, lo- I love doing Tai Chi. Mm. And so I found these um, these videos that were on YouTube of these uh, American senior citizens doing Tai Chi. I love it. And it was good motivation for me because yes. I thought if they can do it, they're in I nursing homes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it happens to
0: be amazing. Yeah.
1: And it was a, mo- a beautiful mind-body practice. Yes. I could do it in my, you know, when I woke up. Yes. And, yes. and so I thought that what's the sort of easiest thing that I know is going to make a difference? Yes. I know that there's I looked at all the sites I thought these are the things that are going to work and it's not going to be too taxing when you're already you know stressed or tired
0: and you do as you said you don't need that extra list of to-dos and beat yourself up because you can't do them I want to I want to go into that as as well for you what was primary tai chi is there any other thing I want to highlight and then I'd love to share also from my perspective
1: I think tai chi I think meditation generally Mm -hmm. because again I know the impact and looking at the research yeah. that meditation has on all the different parts of the brain, yeah. and so even if you're not uh, motivated to do it, if you just do it, it will impact your brain and it will improve your brain function. Beautiful. And when you're dealing with brain fog, anything you can do to improve your brain function is is going to be helpful. helpful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So that would that would really. And then and then for me, yes, the movement and the and the um, meditation, and then just seeking connection with people, which mm. was really uplifting. Mm. Um, you know we when we spend time with people um and you feel that sense of joy with someone that can help you if you're feeling depleted emotionally so prioritizing those connections above all others and that might be with a pet it might not be with a human you know yeah
0: whatever it is whatever it whatever it 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 is that
1: makes you feel that sense of joy that sense of connection it's
0: interesting because i remember when i had that burnout and again it was almost 20 years ago um yeah, maybe it was sixteen years. So ago. tell
1: us what ha- what yeah, happened so, to what? How did you so get over me, it? So for
0: me, the really important uh, some are similar. I couldn't be with people. What I mean by that is, I literally, I'm like that dog that is sick and goes under the couch and doesn't want to be with anybody. That's how I get when I really don't feel well. I just don't have the energy because I tend to be a caregiver and I tend to very I'm very empathic. So I very quickly move into looking after. The person I'm with, even if I'm not,
1: you know, I'm
0: not supposed to be doing that. So I, I couldn't actually socialize much. I would talk on the phone to a few select close friends. I didn't isolate entirely, but I, I do have a tendency, and I'm not saying it's a good tendency at all, um, but to, but to avoid social interaction and sort of pull the covers over my head.
1: And so maybe that was a form of self-preservation. Self-preservation yeah. for me,
0: I think it was self-preservation. However, what I did do, which was amazing is I, the breathing practice I developed was combined, it was actually a whole Qigong training I did with some amazing teachers who I think just, I think they rebirthed me (laughs) in a very literal sense. They They, probably
1: did your, rebirthed your nervous system. Without a doubt,
0: without a doubt. And um, the the class and the course, and I kept doing intensives with them, so it was daily and then we would do intensive where it was like four or five hours a day for 10 days and then again. Um, And it involved breathing practice, it involved qigong, and it involved um, shaking. So it's so funny because all of that was together. It was so powerful for Mm. me. And the second thing, and and it was essential. The second thing I did is I spent a lot of time in nature on a daily basis. I went on a hike. I could do the physical hike because it kept my mind from going crazy with the situation. So the hiking helped me um sort of not not
1: the, uh, the busy mind switch yeah, the off busy the busy mind, mind and yeah. the
0: worrying mind and mm. the anxious mind and the busy mind. It was these loops that I yeah. couldn't quite um get on top of. And so but the hiking would help and then I would meditate. So meditation was there as well. I have to say I wish I had known at that time that less caffeine would have been better. So I wanted to mention <laughs> that to you in 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 terms of things to avoid. Mm. I feel that informing people that they really need to avoid caffeine as best as they can. As I said, I used coffee, which I had never used. By the time I was actually recovering, I, I used green tea, but I, I I didn't, how can I say it? I knew that caffeine wasn't great for me, but I didn't understand really that I had burnout. So I didn't know how important it was to actually avoid the caffeine, any stimulants. Yes. Actually, for that matter, what are your thoughts on
1: that? Yes, look, I think caffeine needs to be used very carefully and most most of the doctors that I've spoken to would probably say that caffeine because of the impact it has on your sleep that if you are going to have any caffeine you definitely have to have very maybe one cup of tea or one coffee and that's it and make sure it's before lunchtime because it does stay in your system yeah you know and
0: has a six hour half life
1: yeah it's it stays in your system for a long time and even people who Think that caffeine doesn't impact them when they've done studies and looked at what what's happening in the brains with those people when they sleep. They don't get into the the deep wave sleep yeah. Yeah. as as easily. Exactly. So it is having an impact, even if you are able to sleep, you're not getting that restorative sleep. Exactly.
0: That's so, a very good point.
1: So I would definitely say to people to to limit caffeine, if not if not get rid of it altogether, yes. and try to choose, you know other things that are, I mean, but it's challenging though because you're so tired and so lacking in energy that you want anything to lift you up.
0: Exactly. It's a cycle that, I mean, it really, for me, not to have green tea would have been, I would not have been functional. Yes, and I, I felt like I can't be
1: completely. So people like have got to amoeba. do what they what they what they need to do to yes. get through the day. Exactly. But um, any of those stimulants are going to um, just put more put more stress on you. But you but you do need to, I guess, be able to function in some way. So I, I think it's it, it's it is good for people to hear that you can recover yes. from burnout because when you're in the middle of that. Often people have to take leave from their job that they might love or they might have to give up their job altogether. Did you
0: take time out, I'm wondering? So I
1: took a little bit of time out, but um, it was right in the middle of the pandemic, and so I was covering the pandemic for my network, so it wasn't like I could just say, I'm going to have six months off, I'll see you later. Yeah. Um, so I took a little bit of time. Oh, but like a couple of weeks? I just took I- a few weeks off. Wow but um
0: you're a strong lady
1: (laughs) but I I have managed to I did actually cut back and now I have Wednesdays off so that was a boundary that I put in place because I felt even if my work week was very busy that if I had a middle of the week just to sort of reset things and then make sure that I was making time for doing things that I just talked about like those connections and and um sort of practices that were really uplifting that uh rather than working you know Five days a week and yes. sort of long hours, and then
0: only have only having the weekend. That, I mean, yeah. I have. I think having a Wednesday off is brilliant. Yeah. I really do.
1: And the other the other thing that's important for people to, to think about is you know when it comes to boundaries, often if you are someone who is high achieving, mm. you know you want to do well, and so and you are very you know good at your job. That the first thing you'll do when you wake up is start thinking about work. But if you can just delay that for a little while and put some of these practices into place. Yeah. Um, you know, give yourself that gift of just, you know, some time for you at the the beginning of the day, ideally in the middle of the day and at the end of the day. And if you can set up those rituals and and set the sort of, you know, time just for you to do these things, then you'll end up feeling so much better. And even if when you are working or you, you are busy during those other periods, you you will at least set some time aside that it's that's, that's your time yes. and doing those beautiful practices yes. where it's, you know, about, about you.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. Do you think that once you have experienced a severe burnout, do we fully recover?
1: I think it's something you have to commit to every day. Yeah. I think it's a... I think it's something that you have to recommit with your actions every single day because if you if if you have been in that situation once unless you have a complete lifestyle change yeah. if you're still living almost the same sort of life um, but because there are you know personality tendencies which they don't necessarily, they don't go away <laughs> they don't change yeah. so you you need to recommit to it with your with your boundaries with your practices I like that. Yeah, and making sure, and I, I wrote about that actually because people, you know, I wrote about burnout and then about how I got better, but I wanted people to know that it's not something you just do and then you you just no. forget about and you go back no. to the way you were. Cannot. You actually need to give yourself that gift of recommitting to it every day Yes. through your habits. So it's,
0: it's really choosing a new lifestyle, yeah. even if one remains in the same work environment and all those different things, but it's living our life in a new way, with these new learnings, with these new practices, with and forming new habits.
1: Yes, and yeah. new neural pathways, exactly, and, and, and setting up that positive feedback loop, yes. so that when you do these practices, you start to do them and you start to enjoy them and you start to see the benefits of them, yes. and then you and then you want to do them and you because you realize that they make you feel so much better.
0: Well, some of these things, like with meditation and the impact on the frontal cortex, they, they, it happens very, very quickly if you think about it. Eight weeks is nothing. Yeah, so you
1: don't have to do it for months and months and months no, to see the benefits. To see the benefits.
0: Yes. You do need to continue to do yeah. it to keep the benefits <laughs> and not regress on some of the behavior that mm-hmm. took us to where we landed. Could we explore boundaries a little bit? We hear about boundaries. We, You and I are talking about boundaries. But what would you say to someone who, okay, they know they need to put boundaries, but they just... They never had boundaries when they were little. The parents didn't have boundaries. No one understands, really. And I think a lot of people have this situation. I certainly didn't understand boundaries when I had a burnout. I really didn't. And I really have become an expert. I think I have a <laughs> PhD on boundaries with Kamalaya. I had to learn. Hmm. Um, what would you say to someone about trying to learn and develop good and healthy boundaries?
1: Well, I'll give a good exa- a good anecdote mm-hmm. in the book that I just read, which is Michelle Obama's becoming. And so when Barack Obama became president, they won the White House and she was going to become the first, the first black first lady, which was a huge honor. But she also, her and her husband, Barack, had two little daughters, a five-year-old and an eight-year-old, Sasha and Malia. And she was so disciplined in her boundary setting that she said to the White House, I can only do my First Lady duties three days a week because the rest of the time I need to be there for my children mm-hmm. and I want to be able to do both. Mm-hmm. And so she knew that if she had done the First Lady job five days a week, then it would be someone else coming to meet the kids when they got home from school. And given it was such a, an ordeal moving into the White House, she wanted to be there for yes. them. Yes. And so that to me shows that, you know, even with an opportunity like that, exactly she She thought, I need to put boundaries in place over, and it's about protecting your time, energy, and focus. And those three things are the most valuable things that we have, Mm -hmm. our time, our energy, and our focus. Mm -hmm. But they're often what we give away (laughs) easily, or we're not intentional with our time Mm -hmm. and energy and focus. And so I think that's a bit of a touchstone story for me Mm -hmm. now to think about. it. To think about, you know, even an amazing opportunity that she was given. She she knew that it was so important to put the boundaries in place so she could be a good mother and a great first lady. She was an amazing first oh, lady. Yes,
0: yes. And, and, and she didn't make it, a, again, a binary choice. If I have this, I can't have that, or if I choose that, I can't have this. She was able to say, no, I want both, and how do I do that? And how do I prioritize the order of that? And then that brings me to the question of priorities, right? Mm. Wow, what would you advise someone? You know, uh, really, because nowadays we have so many things that pull on our time and attention and focus, really, and on energy, and they all seem important. I mean, to many of us. So for someone, I just I'm I'm so thankful that I grew <laughs> up in a very simple era yeah, in the 60s <laughs> in the countryside in Mexico and. I got to experience a simplicity mm-hmm. that has guided me and I return to it. But what, what would you say to someone? How? What, what compass should they use for their priorities? How do they do that? Because it's important. Otherwise, creating boundaries is an, an impossible task.
1: I guess the important thing to think about is is being intentional with your time and energy and focus because so, so much of what we do is not intentional. You know, we might mm-hmm. spend time scrolling on social media. We might just spend time watching netflix or and we're not we're not thinking about is this really how i want to spend my time is mm-hmm. this the, of the most value to me and and to myself and my health and and the best way to spend time with my family mm-hmm. or, and, and friends mm-hmm. and if we if we think about the the value of the the actions we're taking and whether they really um align with our values mm-hmm. you know like if you value for example if you if you value time with your partner yes. or husband and then you go out, um, but you're both on the phone all the time and you're looking down at your phone, then you're not having a meaningful connection with your partner. You're spending time looking at your phone. So that doesn't align with the values that you said you have of like wanting to spend time with your partner. And it's easy to fall into these traps. So it's not about criticising people for doing this. No, no,
0: no, no, absolutely not. But it's
1: thinking about because it's very easy to let things get away from you, particularly if you're pulled in a million different directions. But we, we all have, you know, you know, they say, you know, everyone has the same 24 hours a day. It's how we spend that time and, and making sure, particularly if you're, if you're working or you're a working parent and you have lots of responsibilities that you spend time doing the things that are going to be meaningful for you and meaningful for your family and your partner. Because at the end of the day, nurturing those relationships and those connections, that's what, that's what makes life worth living and that's you know not so much yeah that's what we need to focus on
0: and do you think do you think that changes at different stages in life you know that our priorities to be social sometimes it was interesting I, I I was always social then I became more focused on what I was trying to get done and then I've come back to social right so there I feel like it's a Phases and stages of life, and where I could be more social or less social, depending on other commitments, career, work commitments, like this
1: project. Definitely.
0: Do you think those that um, the social component maybe is one of the primary ones? And yet, when you feel burned out, and it can be challenging, it's interesting. You're really making me think because that was one that I couldn't manage. I just couldn't manage. I had to pull back, back to, yeah. to, to resource. Mm. In fact, I, I suppose maybe I'm a little more introverted. Some people get energized being with other people. Some people get more depleted. I
1: think if you are in burnout, though, it, it can be very challenging to b- having to put energy out there and even have, like, conversations and make conversation with people when you don't have much left in the tank. Yeah. So
0: Phone was okay, but the, the mm. effort of...
1: Learning physically at get getting there, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, yeah. You know, yeah.
1: And that's that's the that's the time to show yourself some self compassion yes, and go. Yes. You know what? At the end of the day, you, if you want to be the best version of yourself for the people you care about, you're better off to conserve your energy, look after yourself, and then and get better <laughs> and rebuild, and then you yeah, can spend had, which come is exactly, back out.
0: It's exactly how it was for me. As soon as I had restored and mm-hmm. replenished enough. I was ready to see people and friends and reconnect again. I didn't disconnect completely, but it just was shrunken down to the bare essentials. I have another question regarding the profile. Do you think men and women both suffer from burnout equally or equally susceptible and prone to burnout? Or do you think, um, one over the other, or do you think either of the two, um, recognize it more easily than
1: others or just I, I'm curious about yeah, it's that. interesting it's interesting the the research doesn't suggest that it's more common in in on either, either. either gender okay. I think I think women certainly particularly if you're uh, like a, a working parent I think a working parent of any gender is, is susceptible to burnout <laughs> if you're if you're working and you've got you've got kids at home you're trying to run a household and and have a job um, you know, we found in the pandemic, in particular, oh, when yes. it was a lot of a lot of the times women were taking on the homeschooling as well as trying to work, and so that definitely would have increased their risk of burnout. Yeah. But I think, and I'm noticing that that more men are coming to write about being burnt out. That, that men are actually uh, coming out and saying, I, "I've either been through it, I am in it, or I've recovered from it." So I don't think it's something. That um, is solely in the purview it's of women. Gender specific. Yeah. I think what? it's something that affects anyone who, uh, you know, cares gives it, it all away. Gives it all away, and and men and women can equally do that. And particularly in in professions like, like healthcare, um, I've I've definitely seen burnout in a lot of male doctors, yes. um, who are you know very giving and you know give their whole you know, emotional, intellectual, physical um, demands to a, a, a job, like being a, a doctor, and then there's just nothing left mm. for them. And that can be devastating because they've put in 20 years of, of study to, to get to that point. Yes. So I think, I mean, I think it's good that it's not something that men or women are shy about talking about now, which is really good.
0: That's wonderful. Mm. And I noticed here at Kamalaya, uh, but I was curious what your experience was, uh, both men and women come equally um with burnout mm. and needing to spend longer than our average guests, because they know that they need to take more time with it which is i'm at least really happy to see mm. that they know it's not it's quick not gonna, it's around. not going to be three or four uh-huh. days no not yeah. at all when i had to take a break i thought i was going to take one month and i i spoke to my husband and i said please i i i feel terrible that i have to even ask you for this but I'm going to ask you for something, but you must say yes.
1: <laughs> There's no option. <laughs> and I was
0: crying mm. and I said, I have to go away for a month. And I I feel so awful that I have to leave you with this enormous project. It was a startup, you know, and, <laughs> but, I, but if I don't, I, I actually think, Something really, really terrible, besides a head on collision, <laughs> might happen.
1: And were there certain things that you m- made sure you did when you came back, given you came back to the same environment? My sleep. Right. Part my sleep. Or, I made sleep.
0: that. I had such gear to <laughs> sleep, an <laughs> eye shade, a noise reduction, uh, a little heating pad, supplements. I mean, my husband took photos of me just in, <laughs> <laughs> just in, in jest because he at, at the time he was so exhausted, his snoring was as loud as an elephant <laughs> well, snoring. It was sleeping. <laughs> no, and we, and we didn't want to go into separate rooms, so I had to prioritize my sleep. Above anything else, it was my sleep. And then was breathing. Meditation was even secondary to mm-hmm. the breathing. The breathing was the thing that
1: uh, reset
0: my nervous system on a regular basis twice a day.
1: But if you're, if you're sleep-deprived, you, the breathing, you would not have been able to do the breathing properly. So you need that exactly, good restful sleep, exactly. wake up, able to do the practices. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I find that I'm able to meditate, um, quality meditation, if I do breathing, mm. um, when I'm stressed, when I'm, you know, approaching. I, I have thankfully have not had a second burnout. Thank goodness, and I hope I never will. But, um, but for me, meditation was easier if I did breathing practices. Otherwise, it was very before we move too far away from this when do we need to seek medical help
1: that's a very good question because like we talked about a lot of these symptoms are very physical so I think if you're having any of the symptoms like for example um, with burnout people can have heart palpitations they can have shortness of breath um, they can they can feel their mood has changed, so I think it's really important to rule out things like heart disease, uh, like mm-hmm. respiratory issues, like clinical depression, because if you've got those things, you need you need to make sure you don't have those things, and then you rule those out first, yeah. and then then you can treat burnout. Yeah. Because if you have obviously if you've got those issues, they need to be addressed. Absolutely, um, that you know obviously potentially life threatening. Yes. And so I think going to see your doctor with these symptoms and just saying, I wanna rule, rule out these other things first, but then you know, let's, let's get a handle on, on what we can do to try to make things better. And, but, um, and people shouldn't be afraid of seeking support. Like I said before, people, you can feel very isolated when you're burnt out. Mm-hmm. You can be in a whole team of people and still feel like you're the only one going through this. So it's really important for people to seek support, yeah. whether that's support at work or if it's you know, family and family friends, friends. Yeah. Uh, their medical professionals to to build a team to help them to get better. Yeah. Um, and 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 they can, you will get better. Yeah. I mean, you're a good, oh, you're an yes, example yes, that yes. you can recover. Uh, and you,
0: and you, you look younger for sure. <laughs> I don't know your age, <laughs> but you look great and you, your vibrancy and vitality and clarity. Uh, is is remarkable and very evident. So, do you think that the the uncertainty of this global situation has perhaps created the conditions for more burnout than usual? I don't mean just the pressures of working at home, which is already enough. No boundaries between work and you know um, personal life, but just this. Like uncertainty that is prolonged. We thought it was going to be three months. I remember very clearly, oh, three months. By May, it'll be fine. And then it was like, oh, no, no, by October, it'll be fine. And then by the end of the year. So none of us could cope. If we had known it was going to be like this, it would have been a different situation. It was this unknown that just kept being prolonged and prolonged. I mean, it seems to me that that would have a very detrimental effect on everything we build our lives on, it, which
1: is certainty and stability. And, and we like certainty. Humans like to know what's going to happen. We don't like the. We, we have the fear of the unknown. Yes. And I think it, it breeds a lot of anxiety and concern because you know you, you think you think we think we know what's happening in the world, and then bang, something like this happens. Yes. So it does make you reconsider a lot of things and it certainly adds a lot more pressure yes. you know um, in terms of you know just the, the general anxiety levels that people have had from you know the fear of, 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 of getting sick the fear of someone they love getting sick the, the the fact that if you if you'd asked us five years ago would would we be in this situation no one would have imagined that we no. were this is not part of our experience no. and so it is quite challenging to deal with and I'm I'm sure it's definitely led to more burnout and it's yes. led to people thinking about, um, con- you know, considering their lives and thinking, how do I want to live my life? And if you're feeling depleted and overwhelmed and, you know, a lot of people uh, are thinking about, you know, changing careers or wanting to ha- have a better quality of life. Mm-hmm. You know, for some people, they've spent a lot more time at home, which has been a good thing.
0: Exactly. And for some people, for it's, some been people really it's been a really good, good fantastic.
1: thing. For other people, it hasn't been a good thing, but depending on their circumstances. But for some people... Um, it's been a really good thing and they've been able to spend time with their family that they would never have had before. And uh, but yes, it's certainly it's been a, a sort of pivotal moment in history and it's it's been a pivotal moment for a lot of people reevaluating the type of life they want to live. Yes.
0: Yes, yes, yes really. Priorities again, yes. reprioritizing, refocusing, reintending how they want to live their life, which is very interesting. Everybody's going to have to adapt around that in every way, which it's a very good thing. I think these types of things that wake us up—it is
1: a wake-up call—are
0: uh, are very, very important.
1: And you know, there's studies in the U.S. showing that 50% or more of some some workforces are saying that they're burnt out. Mm-hmm. Certainly, in healthcare, the rates are even higher.
0: I have two friends, wonderful, beautiful human beings, psychologists, and because of how busy they've been in this period, they've burnt out. Mm really
1: and that's the, that's the that's the tragedy i guess that for people like that whose knowledge and wisdom is
0: so in society needs yes yeah, so much so
1: um, so we need that those people we need people with knowledge and skills and talents and gifts to to look after themselves yes. so yes. that they can be there to to help others and to be of service to others but, but you have to look after yourself first but
0: they find it so difficult to turn away um, potential Clients. patients, mm. right? Mm. Clients, patients who are really in need right now, yes, because of the situation. So it's it's fascinating. So in that vein, mm. in in on the theme of helping people help themselves, and again without blame, but just like, what would you recommend? What are some of the best daily practices that you have personally found most helpful that people could adapt, adopt? Excuse me, um, to keep mentally healthy and well and resilient?
1: Well, one thing that can be really useful is to do a stress audit. So really just take a few moments to, to, to sit down and write a list of the things that are causing you to feel stressed. And that can be uh, intrinsic, so things that, you know, you're worried about yourself or extrinsic, and think about how you might be able to manage some of those. It could be delegating things. It could be, um, you know, whatever those stressors are to think about how you can how to
0: manage them in a
1: practical sense again yes, focusing on what concrete. you can control yes focus. so that can be that can be quite useful from a practical point of view because mm-hmm. if you if you're feeling burnt out you can often feel overwhelmed and and if you if you actually write everything down and go okay here are some things that I can put off I can delegate I can get rid of I can say no to and then you're left with a smaller smaller mm-hmm. list so that's not a bad thing Beautiful. for people to do but then I think I still bring it back to the mind body practices. I think once you've s- seek support from tell people how you're feeling. Yeah. don't don't feel suffer in silence because people will want to help you to feel better. Yeah. So seek support from your family and friends and your your colleagues and your supervisors and let them know that you're you're not feeling great and that you know you want to get some support. Yes. And then recognize that, Again, the things that are in your control are how you spend some of your waking hours and when you can find those pockets Mm. that you can put some time back for yourself and rebuild your nervous system. Yes. And and also recognise, we talked about connection before and recognise that there are some people that when you see them, you come away feeling so energised and and full of life and it's almost like you're uplifted. uplifted. And they're the people you need to be spending time with. And conversely, there might be people in your life that you come away feeling de- absolutely depleted. Absolutely. And as, for your own self-preservation, you need to, if you need to say, "I just for the short term, I can't be with those yeah. people, yeah. then you have to do that yeah. for yourself.
0: Yeah. It's funny, you're touching on something that was running through my mind right now, which is I was remembering how important it was for me when I went through what I went through to be super selective of any music I listened to, music that made me sad, Definitely. Forget not. it. Yeah. Forget it. Um, Anything I watched, movies, when I would get invited to the movies, I could not watch thrillers, anything that made me feel anxious, fearful, You're, nervous. Because it can be
1: very highly sensitive. Exactly. You become more highly sensitive. And
0: and why? I needed things that made me – I needed a restoration mm. of the happy feel good. Mm. Um, so you need
1: some beautiful, you know, music, music and – smells, yeah.
0: movies that are inspiring, stories that are uplifting. I, I, you create a bubble for yourself, yes. but you need it. Yes. And then you realize – well, why don't I keep that environment? Anyway, and that basically it changed me in yes. my selection hmm. of environments and, um, and what I create around me. And again, we can't always control it, but to the degree that we can, we can choose environments that support us to recover.
1: Yes, yeah, so, and, and that's why it's so important to think about the inputs to your um, life. So whether it's, like you said, the music you listen to, um the the tv shows the media that you're consuming um the books that you're reading I find something that's so uplifting for me is to read about other people's lives like the Michelle Obama book or other people because you learn from experience you learn from other people's wisdom in a positive way and um and so and then if if that makes you feel better which it will then you need to recommit to doing that on an ongoing basis because it's your quality of your life is so important Mm -hmm. it's not just about living life it's the quality of that life and the quality of the life is your life is generally made up by the the habits that we we build around us you know most of our most of the things we do 80 percent of our actions are automatic we're not actually thinking about what we do so you need to make these practices that we've talked about you need to make them automatic Mm -hmm. so you don't have to actually think about it you just do it Mm And that's why rituals are good. So as soon as you wake up, you do the breathing practices. As soon as you, just before bed, you do another breathing practice. So it becomes habitual. Mm-hmm. And that makes it easier for the brain to want to do it because mm-hmm. you don't have to think about it. You don't mm-hmm. have to choose it. You yes. just do it. It becomes
0: a habit. Yes. And once it's a habit, it's no longer a willpower issue. Exactly. So along that um, willpower, you know, in the beginning it is willpower. And one of the things I learned along the way was that Really, when you want to change habits and you're going to have to use your willpower, choosing one habit at a time is really, really important. Start very
1: small. Yes,
0: start very small. And because what happens is many of us, especially high achievers (laughs) and perfectionists, (laughs) want to do 10 at a time. You know, so I want to turn everything upside down. And of course, that's just setting us up to be very frustrated, be very tough on ourselves and probably fail fail. Mm. often, often, at least fail on nine out of those 10. (laughs) You know, if we keep one, we're lucky. So, um... I think that's important that and, and also that with willpower, as you said, to make it as easy as possible, mm-hmm. right? You know, so that it just really there's no choice. The gap. Yeah. You know, I set my exercise clothes literally have to right there so that I get up and step into them. Yeah. Then have my cup of tea and go off, yeah. you know. But if I do it the other way, it's not gonna oh, happen. I can easily find an excuse not to.
1: Yeah, and there's a, there's a really nice concept with habits called linchpin habits where you, if you want to get a new habit, you attach it to something you're already doing. Yeah. So I love that concept because yeah. that way it ma- actually makes it easy to adopt a new habit if you pair it with an yes. existing one, so yes. you think about it might be like if you're brushing your teeth, then you might do some balance exercises or stand on one leg to see yes. how long you can stand yes. on one leg for, yes. because you're already going to brush your teeth yes. twice a day and so then you just put the balance exercises with the teeth brushing. So, yes. you know, often, you know, we, we feel it's hard to change our habits and our behaviours, but if you're recovering from burnout, it's crucial. Yes. <laughs> it's, not, it's not negotiable. No because that... That's the way out. That's the pathway out.
0: Yeah. That's and a path to healing and recovery and a healthy, vibrant, physical, mental, emotional life...
1: In the future. In the future.
0: It, yeah. it makes the future bright. But if we don't embrace that new life, those new habits, it's going to be a bumpy ride. And I mean, I had to really commit myself fully. I'm sure you, you, there's a moment where you know this is, this is for life. This is not an option.
1: Exactly. This is a change
0: of life now.
1: And you, it's also good to think about why why you want to change and think about the people in your life that you really care about. And you want to be the best version of yourself for those people. Mm. So if you don't want to do it for yourself, do it for them. <laughs>
0: yes, yes.
1: <laughs> because, um, you know, we all have people in our lives that we love and mm. cherish mm. and um, we need to preserve our energy and our vitality and to be the best version of ourselves for those people and your relationships are so crucial yeah. to a good quality of life and
0: absolutely and, and if we if we can't bring the best of ours of who we are forward mm, that's not helpful to anybody actually exactly I mean, it's, it's running other people down
1: yes you know, and, and it's
0: not their responsibility to to take care of us in that way
1: yeah so looking after yourself is is really important and and I hope that some of the things we've talked about people do take on board because it really will make a difference. Yes. I think even it's a, one. Of even those one. Practices. Just one. Pick two.
0: Yeah, pick one. The one that appeals to you that you feel more joy that, when you think of doing. Yeah. That's the one. Go for mm. that one, you know? When you said dancing, I was like, ooh. <laughs> 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 and especially now, you know, where our life expectancy is longer.
1: And you want uh, a good quality of and life. And you want a
0: good quality of life, you know, right? Right to the very end. Let me ask you one final question, Sophie. Is there anything that you feel you would really like to share with our listeners that we haven't discussed yet?
1: I I think the one thing I would say is don't be afraid to share your story and how you're feeling Mm -hmm. because a lot of people I know who've been in that burnout situation have felt very shamed because they felt like it was their fault. And I want that person to know that it's not their fault Yeah. okay and there are ways that you can feel better and whether you have to change some things in your life or modify what you're doing being healthy in a physical and emotional and spiritual and every other sense is the most important thing much more important than any job title Yeah. so make sure you don't blame yourself if you are feeling burnt out Mm. and do seek some help and and Recognize that you can come out the other side, which is the good news.
0: And come out the other side even better.
1: Even better. Truly.
0: Thank you so much, Sophie. I so appreciate you taking the time to engage in this conversation with me today. This has been very informative for me. And I trust our listeners also have felt inspired and better resourced on their journey to health and recovery from this insightful discussion. To find out more about Sophie Scott and her books, Road Testing Happiness and Live a Longer Life, please visit her website at www.sophiescott.com.au. To learn more about Kamalaya's stress and burnout wellness programs that are available online and at our wellness retreat on Koh Samui in Thailand, please visit our website at kamalaya.com or kamalayaconnect.com. That's K-A-M-A-L-A-Y-A dot com or K-A-M-A-L-A-Y-A connect dot com. As always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback on our podcast. So if you would like to share anything, please send us an email to info at kamalaya.com with the subject line wellness for life podcast. And let us know if you have any special topics you would like us to cover in the future or whatever areas you would like to hear us discuss in more depth. Thank you so much for listening, and please stay tuned for more exciting podcasts every month. Bye for now.